Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 220 of the podcast that was originally recorded on February 24th of 2019. In the past couple of weeks, I was able to get a couple of new games to the table, one being Rallyman, an interesting dice take on rally racing, which I had a lot of fun with, and then another game from Cool Mini or Not, yes, it did have some miniatures to it, is Rising Sun. An interesting take on a guys-on-a-map style game, some area control, some set collection, and a few other things going on in the game. I talk about both of them here in this episode. Hopefully you enjoy it. Hey gamers, welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome back to another episode of the What I'm a Playing Now podcast. My podcasts have been pretty much far and few between recently. There's been a lot of things going on in life, as I've talked about in the past couple of episodes I've been able to record. So we've been trying to work through a bunch of that stuff. And I think we're hopefully getting to a point now where I'm going to be able to start visiting my local game store a little bit more frequently. I've actually made it uh, the past couple of weeks. I didn't make it the week before, but I made it a few weeks ago. I made it this past Monday. I'm going to go tomorrow. So hopefully I'm getting back into the swing of things when it comes to heading down to the local game store, playing some more board games, having a few more things to talk about than just some of the stuff that Kim and I are playing here at home, which is one of the reasons why I haven't been recording as much lately. So as I have more games to talk about and hopefully get more games to the table, we will be able to produce more podcasts and hopefully I can maybe get Eric back on uh, as a co-host and maybe I can get a couple few interviews going. I know I was talking to a few more people recently to get some interviews lined up. So I do have a few things planned for the future. So bear with us. Keep downloading the podcast. We definitely appreciate it. And hopefully we have some good things to talk about here in the next several weeks. But let's talk about a few of the things that I've played within the past couple of weeks. A couple of weeks ago, went down to the local game store. My buddy Dave had picked up a used copy of Rallyman off the Board Game Geek store. Uh, Rallyman actually was published back in 2009. And I'm not too sure what version Dave has. I know it is a little bit older of one. I believe they actually just had a recent Kickstarter. But I believe some of the things have changed in the game. Dave was looking for an older copy, found one at a pretty good price. And I will say, I'm really glad he picked this one up and we got it to the table. It's a very interesting take on racing. It's a lot of die rolling, so there is some luck to it. There's some push your luck to it as well as you're rolling the dice. The boards are modular, so you're always making up a new time trial track that you're trying to run through. And when you're putting the boards together, you're usually picking out a start and a stop spot between all the, you know, between the different boards that you have in front of you. And in this game in particular, since it is reminiscent and you're playing a rally game, you're not necessarily trying to be the one that finishes first because every player starts off kind of like it differently. So the first player is going to go and roll their dice and move. And then I believe the first player is supposed to move again. And then everybody else is supposed to go. Who's ever in the in the lead is supposed to be the first player that goes for that round. And I believe we had gotten that wrong because we weren't letting the first player go twice in a row. That was something we noticed right at the end. But we did play three different racing, uh, three different rally tracks. The first one, we kind of just used what I would consider maybe the more basic and general rules of the game. On your turn, you're going to kind of just say how many times you're going to roll the dice. And you just roll one die at a time and you have different gears that you're going through. You're going to have first, second, third, fourth and everything. And so you're going to work your way up the gears. Or if you're already in third gear, you know, you, you start off with that dice and then, you know, roll upwards. And 
you're basically trying to get to the end of the track and make it in as short amount of time as possible. The higher gear you're in at the end of your turn, when you're done rolling, you're going to take that gear card. The one gear, the first gear card has the longest amount of time on it. The fifth gear card has the shortest. So that's basically reminiscent of you driving faster. So being in fifth gear, you're driving faster. Your time from point A to point B is going to be shorter. So you're, it's going to be less time. And at the end of that track, once everybody's done, you're going to total up your time, your whole time that you had together, whether you spun out or not, because as you're rolling the dice, the interesting thing with this game is there's a triangle with an exclamation point on there. And if you roll three of those, you basically spin out. And depending on what gear you're in, you will have a different time for your spinning out. And so you really have to keep in mind how much you want to push your luck there, because a couple of times in the more advanced game, which we'll talk about here in a second, I pushed my luck a little bit and it bit me right in the ass and I spun out. So the basic game is very simple when you're just rolling one die at a time. Uh, that's that's it's, it's fun, but the game really, I think, goes into its own and really becomes a lot more fun and really becomes a lot more challenging with a little bit more strategy, you could say, in that when you're playing the more advanced game, when you actually state how many dice you want to roll, depending on how far you want to move. And then you're going to roll all your dice at once. So not only do you have gear dice, but you also have two other dice, which are, you know, blank gear dice. So you can roll those at any time in between. You can even, even use those in the basic game. But in the more advanced game, what you're trying to do is you want to roll all those dice at once. You want to make sure you don't get three of the triangles with the exclamation points, because if you do, you spin out. And if you don't, for each die that you rolled, you're actually going to get a time token. The time tokens you're going to collect and at the end of the round, you're going to use those to subtract the amount of time tokens you have from your time. So if I collect a total of 30 tokens and they have like ones and fives, I think it is, is what they are. If I collect like a total of 30 time tokens over the course of the track, and you easily can, um, depending on how many times you're rolling, you will then be able to subtract 30 seconds off of the time from all of your cards that you're adding together, which is definitely going to significantly increase your timing for that particular race. So, like I said, it really adds a lot more strategy in to the game because you're constantly trying to figure out, okay, if if I spin out here, this person's pretty close to me, so if I finish, they're going to finish shortly after me, and you know our times are going to be very similar. If I spin out, I'm probably going to have at least a minute added to my time which is which is very detrimental to your score because I think after all three races, Dave and I were fairly close, and Dave, I think, beat me by a total of four seconds, and I had spun out because twice in the last track, and the one time I probably didn't even need to roll all the dice at one time. It would have been fine if I had just rolled the dice singly, you know, single, you know, one at a time, and I probably would have easily won the game because I had been rolling fairly good throughout all three races. There were a couple of times, you know, every now and then you're going to get a spin out, but you know, it's, it's that push your luck component. And sometimes you're just feeling a little cocky and you're like, you know what, I'm going to roll these. I am not going to spin. And lo and behold, you roll the three triangles with the exclamation points and you're spinning around. You are off the side of the track and having to restart and just slows you down and just adding to your time that you're trying to go for. So the course or the game comes with quite a few different boards to make the tracks. I think you're going to get a lot of replayability out of this because the boards are double sided. You're starting off maybe with just one and then adding a second. And then maybe in the third one, you're adding a third to maybe change up the course some. 
So there's a lot of different courses you're going to be able to build with the modularity that comes in the box. So it seems like there's some replayability. The dice, I really, considering, as we all know, dice hate me, uh, I actually did like the way the dice are rolling in this game. I liked having the choice of, you know, if I'm rolling dice singly, one at a time, singularly, one at a time, you know, if I get up to the two triangles with the exclamation points, I could just say, okay, I'm stopping and I'm not going anymore. And that's it. You're done. You just take the card of the gear, whatever you're in, put that in the stack in front of you, and then it's the next player's turn. You know, but it's you you have that choice of do I want to maybe try to get some time knocked off of my score here? So really interesting, fun little racing game. It is dice based. So if you're not a big fan of dice racing games. This one may not be for you, but I do have to say, uh, I, re I was I really enjoyed Rally Man. I have a feeling Kim's not a huge fan of racing games. And I have a feeling she would probably even like this one because it's very simple, very easy to pick up. There's a little bit of strategy to it, not too, too much. Um, so complexity-wise, I'd say it's a little bit on the lighter side, but still a really fun game, Rally Man. So then after that, the following week, um, I missed down at my local game store. And we were actually supposed to play Rising Sun on that day. So the following week, which was this past weekend, um, my buddy Dave texted me, said that our, our one buddy Jim was coming down there. He was going to be bringing uh, Rising Sun because he had the Kickstarter. And both Dave and Jim had had the Kickstarter. The Rising Sun was one of the games recently I hadn't picked up. Um, I've been wanting to get this one to the table. I remember when they actually had gotten it down at recess. There was a lot of big... Um, there was a lot of talk about the game. The game looked really, really nice on the table. The miniatures are huge. Um, the miniatures we played with for this one weren't actually painted, unlike when we played um, Lords of Hellas a couple of weeks ago. But uh, the miniatures still looked really good and was still a lot of fun to play. So Rising Sun, as you can tell, it's miniatures based. So you can say it's kind of like a guys on a map style game. There is area control to the game. There is some... Um, um, resource collection. I don't know. I don't want to say resource co resource collection. There is some um, set collection in the game, and you're basically trying to go for victory points at the end of the game. So after you get the board all set up, at the beginning of each round, you have the seasonal setup where you're doing a few different things, setting up the different um, areas that are going to be worth points um, during the combat phase during the round. And there's a couple other things you set up during that seasonal setup. And then you go into what they're referring to as a tea ceremony. During the tea ceremony, all the players at the table can negotiate and sit there and talk and everything and figure out if they want to actually create an alliance with somebody else at the table. Each character or each person that's playing at the table will have like one half of like a yin yang type of um, color that represents their 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 team color on the board. And when they are allied with another player, uh, the two pieces go together to form that they're allied for the season. That ally can actually be broken and, you know, and actually be betrayed during the season. So that's something you actually have to watch for because this this is a victory point game. This game is not cooperative whatsoever. So there can be betrayal. And there is times during the game where even both players will talk and, you know, you know you're talking, you're going to say, you know what, it's probably better if you actually do a betrayal right now. It would help you out. And so unless if the person just really backstabs the person that they're allied with, a lot of times the allies can actually split it in, in somewhat of a, you know, a nice fashion. Other times somebody could really just break the betrayal there, you know, break the ally and be, betray their opponent and really backstab them. But 
the thing that's kind of interesting in this game, though, is as you get to the next phase, which is the political phase, which is the main part of the game besides besides the war phase. That political phase is where you're going to take a lot of your actions. Now, if you are allied with someone, when you take the action or when your ally takes, you know, calls for the action to be taken, you get some additional bonuses that actually can occur if you're allied with somebody. So if you're not allied with anybody, you'll normally just get kind of like a one-off. So the different um, kind of like actions that you could do is like a recruit, which is where you're basically summoning figures onto the board. And if you're allied with somebody, you actually get to summon a second figure onto the board, one additional figure. The marshal lets you move around the board and you can move figures, you know, around the board between their shipping routes and everything like that. And if you're allied with somebody, you can also pay three coins to build a stronghold. And the strongholds can actually get you points at the end of the game if you have the appropriate card for that, which you can actually get during the training phase. Or it actually lets you... That lets you bring characters into the board by having more of the strongholds out there. That's where you can actually summon your characters too. Training, um, like I just said, actually lets you buy one of the season cards that's available. If you're allied with somebody, you actually pay one less coin. Now, the interesting thing is in most of these actions besides the train, the last person is actually going to go first. But in the train action, the current player goes first. So that's one thing that's a little different as well. The train actually, um, you know, when you're actually going to buy one of those season cards, you actually get first choice if you're actually the one deciding that action. Harvest action, you can actually collect a coin. And if you actually have an ally, you can collect rewards from each of the provinces that you have um, higher numbers of characters in. So depending on, and this is where the area, part of the area control comes into play. Each different um, section of the board has different rewards that you can actually get during this harvest phase. You can get coins, you can get victory points, you can get some of the, I think they're called the um, Ronin tiles, which actually add to your forces during the war phase. And then as um, the final action that you could do is a betrayal action, and that's basically where you're splitting up um, the alliance between two players. But not only are you splitting up the alliance between two players, you're going to lose some honor, which actually gives you some different. It doesn't really give you abilities. It lets you kind of do turn order when you're going through certain phases. And you're actually going to get to replace two figures on the board with any two of your figures. So the betrayal action is actually kind of important, especially if you're not able to get enough of your guys on the table or if they've come off during the war phase by either being taken hostage or being killed. Um, and you just can't get a lot of your guys on the, on the board. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to flood the board with a bunch of my guys early on. So towards the end, I didn't actually have to worry too, too much about having to replace that. But I believe at the end, I did do a betrayal to get my last two guys on the board. And it, it actually does help when you're doing that. So that's the political phase. Now, the way you decide which of these actions you're doing is there's a set of there's a stack of tiles that are going to be handed around the board. I believe you're going to draw the top um, four, I think it is, and you're going to basically choose one and then put the other ones back on top of the pile. I believe that was how it went. Um, yeah, the shrine tiles, you're going to draw four of the shrine shrine tiles and they're going to choose one of the actions. Now, I was actually playing as a clan that let me set this tile face down onto the track 
and I actually got to declare whatever action I wanted to during the political phase. Very, very interesting. Very interesting strategy. And I can't say that any of the different clans who each had their own special ability were more overpowered than the other. They each had their own special ability, and the special abilities were really, really different than anything else. Um, Dave, I think, was playing as like the Turtle Clan or something to where his shrines actually got to move around the board, which let him actually recruit his players into different you know regions of the board, which is actually very helpful. So this way you're not recruiting to just where your shrines are and then having to move them around. You can move those shrines around and then recruit to there. So that kind of helps out, you know, when you're doing that. Um, but everybody had different different types of stuff. I think what somebody had um, where they could actually fly their troops around the board and actually literally go from one side of the board to the other. That was a very, very interesting um, ability because getting around the board can be kind of slow because the board is kind of big. And during that setup, like I said, not all regions, we were playing a four player game. So not all regions were going to have an active combat in them during the round. So during the war phases, if you can actually have the most number of players in an area and then actually win it, because during combat, you have to, you'll have a little board in front of you that you're going to be doing kind of like, I guess, a little bit of a little bit of bidding and kind of auctioning on. You're going to have four different actions you can do, and whoever has the most coins on a particular action during that, being seppuku where you're killing all your figures, taking hostage where you can take a hostage, um, higher ronin, which is where you can use those extra tokens to add to your force, or imperial poets where you can gain a victory point for every figure killed, you're going to put money on each different one, and whoever has the most, whoever bid the most on each of those different actions is the one who actually gets to do that action. So that adds a whole different type of strategy when it comes to the war phase of the game because you need to collect coins during the round. You need to collect those Ronins to maybe bolster up your forces a little bit. And even though the one time towards the end of the game, I had thrown a nice big dragon onto the board, which was like five force, which I was like, okay, I should win this force wise. I think Dave outbid me when it came to taking hostages and he was able to take that dragon hostage, which boom, I lost the five force from. I wasn't, I wasn't even sure that he could do that. So it was really, I was sitting there. I was like, oh, I was a little frustrated that I actually didn't realize that the, the dragon could be taken so easily, especially taken hostage, which I was really bummed about. Um, but it was still a really fun game when we went through the whole game. You're going to play through um, like three total seasons where you're going through all of these different phases like this. And then you do like an end game winter season where you're kind of count, counting up victory points and a few other things. And that is kind of going to be how the game plays. But I will say there's a lot of strategy to this game. There's a lot of times where you're working with other people at the board be, or, you know, other people at the table because you don't want any one person at the table to get too, too strong. Everybody's trying to keep everybody else in check in a nice check and balance system because I was actually starting to take the lead early on, and so everybody was trying to then slow me down from getting any more victory points. But I was just trying to control some of the different areas where my guys were, maybe do some of the training um, and actually harvesting, I guess, not training. Was it actually do some harvesting to where I was getting you know, multiple resources where I was getting coins, where I was getting the Ronins and maybe a couple victory points from some of the different areas to try to just help my score along a little bit. And it's it makes the game for a very, very interesting playthrough 
There is a little set collection, like I mentioned early on in this, in that if you do win a war in a territory where there's one of the flags that's set up at the beginning of the round, you actually get to take uh, the tile for that area, for that land, for the round, and each one is different colored. And based on all the different colored tiles you have at the end of the game, you'll get a certain number of points. I think it's like one to four you get uh, 10 points. I believe it's like five and six. You might get 20, seven and eight. You might get 30. I think it is. I don't think it's 40. I think it was 10, 20, 30. And that was something that I was trying to work on because early on I had three, I think right away, or no, I had four. I was trying to get to that fifth one to get me to 20. And during that last round is where I kind of just fell apart. I put my guys into the wrong territory than where I shouldn't have. And um, like I said, Dave was able to take my big dragon hostage. If I would have maybe stayed over in the other territory, I may have been able to get that one and ended up with a fifth um, tile instead of just ending up with four at the end of the game. But that's where you also have to pay attention to some strategy and do, you know, a lot of different thinking. And I will have to say, even though I did not win the game of Rising Sun, I still had a great time playing it. one. This was a really interesting guys in a map type thing. The whole bidding mechanic for war is something that was a lot different. There's no dice in the game or anything to really, you know, change the the ebb and flow of the game or anything. It's basically, you know, however many coins you have based on those different actions you can do during the war phase that I mentioned is how the battle is going to go. So you want to make sure you have some coins to bid on what you want to maybe have some Ronin. If you need more additional forces and numbers, you know, for your forces to kind of help you out. And if not, maybe just if you're in an area and some of your opponents are there, maybe just bid high on the Imperial Poets because hopefully they're going to kill a bunch of more, you know, a bunch of each other's characters that are on the board. And you can just sit there and, you know, scrape in some victory points for every figure killed during the battle. So a lot of different strategies to take in this game. I could see that was only my first time playing. This is a game you definitely need to play more than one time, especially just to get a good feel for the game. I think four players for this game was a really nice number. Um, I'd be interested to see how long and how well, it actually played. I think it'll play up to six, if I remember correctly. Uh, not too sure how it would play at lower numbers, but four was a nice, really good number uh, to be playing at. So I have to say that Rising Sun um, from Coleman or Not is actually a pretty cool game. Other than that, that is going to be it for what we played for the past couple of weeks, Rally Man Rising Sun. I'm going to hopefully get a few more games to the table down at the game store this upcoming week. Maybe even here at home, we will be able to play some newer games as we try to start getting ready to maybe film some more videos that Kim and I have been talking about. Um, other than that, uh, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send the emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over at Board Game Geek. We do have a guild over there, guild number 2440. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. And YouTube is youtube.com slash what I'm playing now, which we haven't been uploading anything recently, but hopefully in the next week or so, I will have some videos to actually upload because there's a few actual designers in the area as well that want to get together with me. And I just have not been able to invite them over to the house to actually play um, some of their games to where we can shoot some videos. So hopefully in the next week or two, hopefully we can get that stuff completed and I can get some nice videos up for um, some nice friends that I made within the past couple of years here in the board game industry. But until then, everybody, hey, 
you know what to do. Go play some games and then let me know what you're playing now. Until next week, everybody, you have a great week gaming, and I will talk to you later. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.